This ripple won't fade. It'll grow and grow until it's a tidal wave. Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Eyes up here, Matt. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., episode 303, a wanted, in-hue man. It's brought to you by the Alston, Massachusetts 80s Cafe. If you're looking for a Cree Rock of Ages, call me. I've got you covered. <laughs> well done, Pete. And before we jump on in, just want to say it was so fantastic seeing so many of you at uh, New York Comic Con this past weekend, uh, particularly in, in, in a moment of serendipity, seeing uh, some fellow S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, content creators at the uh, Wikia question and answer session that Clark Gregg, Chloe Bennett, and Jeff Loeb did. And then in just the weirdest karma moment, ran into a bunch of people um jamie laurianne some of the gals from uh the it's all geek to me podcast uh saw all of them in line like within 30 seconds of each other 60 seconds of each other uh as we were going in to the main stage to see and hear all things agents of shield so certainly a wonderful time indeed and speaking of not just agents of shield if you are a first-time listener, or even if you're a long-time listener, make sure you hit FantasticGeek.com or search iTunes for Fantastic Geek. Uh, it, of course, was not just Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that we saw this past weekend at New York Comic Con, nor that we podcast. We, you got your Daredevils, your Agent Carter, your highly anticipated Jessica Jones, and by the end of the week, maybe even more. Absolutely. And, you know, just to echo what Matt said, it was great running into so many people, both named and unnamed here, and uh, by far and away, putting in three days there to the, the most of our uh, listeners and followers and fans that we've ever uh, come across in one period. So uh, thanks and uh, can't do it without you. With that, Pete, enough about last weekend. Let's get to tonight's episode. When we catch you up on what went down, our tease, Matt, features uh, Luke Mitchell's Lincoln being chased by the ATCU, particularly their nefarious number two, known only as Banks, comes across uh, several... uh, power towers there and employs his uh inhuman abilities to make a sparkly getaway certainly a really effective tease act um i admit since um since he was not in last week's episode i i i initially when i saw him on the run just had mistakenly misplaced where he was in the story i thought perhaps that he was doing some sort of uh some sort of uh special forces training that sort of thing but as you said sure enough he's being uh, chased by the a atcu not the alcu um and <laughs> maybe uh, them too matt <laughs> me i don't know i don't know. We'll, we'll see how political show suspected gets. of being an alien <laughs> hey Clark Gregg did make a, 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 a he, he did weigh in on one of the uh, candidates running for president uh, at New York Comic Con. We'll we'll leave that on the sidelines. Um, really like the power effect too, as he kind of zaps those power lines um, 
it's a nice use of that space. I mean, I don't know whether it was achieved practically or with models or with computer effects, but just that 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 curtain of of sparks that rained down, giving the ability to get away was uh, was pleasing to the eye. Act one um, against a montage of uh, Simmons going through uh, a shower routine here. We're told that she was on the alien planet for months. Uh, that every bodily system is out of whack, uh, reporting that there was only flora, no fauna on this alien landscape. And uh, Bobby, the one here, um, kind of the backup scientist, you know, Mockingbird is a, is a much bigger scientist in the comics, really kind of taking over the, the Simmons role in her absence, the one to deliver this dialogue. It would be so um, tropey to have first the one half of Fitzsimmons last season and now the other half this season be kind of the broken, damaged, mysterious, will they ever be okay character. But it really doesn't play like they're, they're rehashing anything. I mean, in part because traumatic brain injury we kind of get as a real world thing. Right. Um, being zapped to another world where, uh, where there is terror is uh, the only kind of terror that you felt if you've seen the Fantastic Four movie in theaters. Boom! But <laughs> <Wow>. um, <laughs> I, th- th- there's such tenderness to this scene here. You know, the, the shots of how she's cut up, uh, slowly yes. revealing to the audience visually how she's uh, sound sensitive. Um, th- it's just, I mean, of all the characters, this is this is the delicate English rose, Pete, and she's been hurt. Yes, and much like last week's episode, the early discussion at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters uh, interrupted. Daisy comes in with a Lincoln update, and Coulson knows just how to find him. Certainly no surprise there. I, I like the um, I like how there's the, the quick cutback there to, um, to uh, the flashback of how, how he had had a little tracer put on him perhaps ever so slightly dubious storytelling where you know if you push against someone's i believe it was a sleeved arm you know you can do a a a subcutaneous tracker but you know i mean this is a this is a show that deals with gadgets and gizmos and you know wonders of the future that kind of thing and uh, a fun bit of o storytelling nonetheless well lincoln on the phone there with daisy um <clears throat> who tells him that she knows that he just bought a phone, where he had just bought the phone, and then the flashback to the hospital there where Mac had grabbed him. He uses his effects to uh, blow the device. And uh, we're off to Alston, Massachusetts. Indeed, we are nice to see some uh, some proper May in this episode. And, um, and uh, it's, I mean, what more can you say than we get more May today? Yes. And uh, the interesting thing here, Hunter talking about tracking down an old Hydra UK buddy, Spud. And, uh, you know, with alcohol involved, of course, May makes the observation because you guys aren't hard enough to understand and then one of the best gags that the show has done to date this subtitled sequence uh some of the highlights of which uh one is called a muppet and then the little anecdote about the deaf leopard song love bites and spud's rather emotional reaction and attachment to that ballad 
it, it really is just a tremendously fun scene and one that uh, I suspect on paper would have looked incongruous with the, the tone of the rest of the episode, you know, damaged Simmons and we're headed towards a big Simmons reveal at the end. And this, you know, the, the, the forthcoming quite brutal fight that Hunter gets into and so forth. Maybe that's why you say, let's find some humor here. And the fact that they, they don't just go for a couple subtitles, you know, the scene goes on for maybe 15, 20 seconds and um, I must admit, Pete, I found myself kind of testing. I'd look away because I still understand. But, oh, had, had I perhaps glanced at the subtitles anyway. <laughs> so maybe we'll never know. Um, but uh, certainly fun stuff indeed. And, hey, Pete, doesn't hurt that they mentioned the Muppets either. You know, well, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. steady ratings. The Muppets um, not. Um, but, um, you know, oi, back to you, Pete Governor. <laughs> Well, May quickly brings it around to business and that she's looking for next generation weapons here. All the while, as we catch up with Lincoln, this suspected alien threat who's wanted in the Cincinnati hospital attack, he's boarded a bus and a soldier sees him, uh, identifies him, and he has to use his electricity to make an escape as we end act one. You know, Pete, as we've discussed before, this tends not to be a show that that goes too terribly deep uh, for, you know, real world connections and so on and so forth. It's certainly it's there in, in the DNA of the show and, you know, government agency and all of that. But it, it doesn't go particularly deep. That said, I couldn't help but think that, you know, because there's been these these um well, what better word than alien? Because there's been these alien events that have happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How easy it is to establish the other. You know, that, that what kind of a bad guy is he, is he? Well, of course it's going to be alien threat, question mark. Of course that's going right. to be the moniker. Because in the day and age that they live in, that's the worst thing you can call someone is an alien. and You know, a non-human. Act two with Simmons in the lab here, uh, guided by, of course, Fitz, trying to familiarize herself with her world, uh, looking at the pile of rocks now that was the Cree monolith, her portal to another world. We get a phone that vibrates, which uh, frightens her. The lab equipment also freaks her out, and there's talk about distractions but Fitz lets her know that uh as he's bringing her back to uh rest that because she's self-diagnosing this means she's on the mend you know Pete there's also reference to uh you know when Simmons stumbles at one point there's reference to her still settling into the lower gravity yes that really pricked my ears up because I was then I mean look that's the the superman shtick you know the, right. the 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 red sun of krypton and the higher gravity and you know you come here and it's the yellow sun that fuels the cells but also there is the lower gravity so you know leap tall buildings in a single bound that's the that's the idea super strong because you know that because at least in in the initial concept of the character you know it's gravity and such so given that this is an episode that really starts to to slowly roll out the story string and say we are headed with something more long term here um I, I well i think that's I, it's not quite level level sevenable i dare say but let's stick a story pin in that and uh, i think we're going to be building something on it later if this metaphor isn't hopelessly crisscrossed or when um you know 
uh, Liz Hensrich shows up on CBS as Supergirl? Um, that might be slightly different, although I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but we cut back to uh, Bobby, who is on the phone with um, Hunter. And uh, while he's holding an AK-47, talks about how this hunt that he's on has been all planes, trains, and automobiles. He's so bored he could die. May, who is clad in a vintage Blondie t-shirt, um, she uh, tells Hunter that Bobby knows he's lying. Yeah, it's an interesting scene because they're clearly being tender with each other. But I just love these two characters in in Hunter and Bobby that they can't. Um, I, I, I mean, I want to say man up, but that's no disrespect towards the the very feminine Adrian Palicki. But it's like they can't they can't grow up enough to sit and say, you know, I miss you, I love you, be safe because I love you. And and I just find it fascinating. These are two really kick-ass characters and you know what what makes them so tough and proficient in 90 percent of their world is that shield no pun intended that they have up but then it gets to lowering it for this other person in a relationship that you know goes from tragedy to happiness to tragedy to happiness and they just kind of can't connect there but they want to but they can't and it's it's a really interesting cycle on tragedy matt with Hunter's admission that he has a bet back at HQ on why May walked away from her ex-husband, um, they're discussing that he has to fight his way uh, to get to see Ward through this newer Hydra. Uh, May is not sure he will win, and she asks how much he has riding on the bet that she left Andrew of course, to hear from him a significant sum and the rather portentous line, well, you already lost. This is what you get with the long form version of broadcast TV. You know, we've talked about the negatives many time before, times before. Um, but what you get in, in a show that's nearing its 50th broadcast episode is May can just say that and you don't need flashback and you don't need further exposition. You can just know this person after, what, 20, let's see, 44, 45, 40, this is like the 47th episode mm -hmm. or so, mm -hmm. that, that you can just know this character is so by the book and so business-oriented or, you know, work-oriented. Um, and you know the background from last season of, you know, her time with Andrew and wanting to take one direction in her life and not and all of that you know all of that so she can just say in a line that she tried to reconnect with her ex-husband but but he left her the stable affable charming trustworthy wonderful guy that is andrew uh he left her so you sit and go i mean that 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 is nothing less than damnation against may's ability to hold down a a, a solid romantic relationship and it's and it's profound, and it's really sad, and it lasts three seconds. And that's what this show can do now. We move to Lincoln, who is picked up by a man in a car who asks if he's been drinking. Um, as he's given a ride here, we pan back to an ATM that is fritzing. So we know that uh, Lincoln is obviously throwing some electrical currents off. Back in, at in fact, Pete, I think we we kind of we kind of hear it going like arts arts. Arts, 
Yeah, maybe. Okay. But uh, back at uh, his sponsor, John Donnelly's apartment here, Lincoln confesses to him he was hoping that he would let him buy his car, which he's, he's told, sure, right away, done. But the, uh, the TV, Matt, which is a looming image throughout this episode, really working against Lincoln. And uh, we go from there to Constance Zimmer's Mrs. Rosalind Price, the first time she receives the full name uh, attribution and treatment in an episode. She has a call from the White House. <gasps> oh, my. But, Pete, wait, that doesn't look like either our president or the MCU president. That looks like that guy that was in uh, in the New York Comic Con panel five years ago who was going to play the principal in Cartoon Spider-Man. You can call him Phil. But he tells Mrs. Price that uh, she's been asking everybody else for help in locating Lincoln Campbell. Why not ask somebody who actually knows how to find him? And it's with that that Banks reveals they have pinned him down as we end Act 2 in an apartment outside of Chicago. On Act 3, where Simmons and Skye... Uh, is what Simmons, of course, calls her, get together here. She's got to, uh, Daisy, make it clear she's going by Daisy these days. And Matt, she's holding a reminder. I don't know what it is. The daisies? Oh, yes, 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 of course. It, it's certainly a charming a charming scene there. Um, and, and one that made me start to wonder... This back and forth of 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 Daisy's name, um, are they slowly? I mean, I don't say slowly working us into it because it's it's been up front since the first episode. But just the references last week, the references this week, where um, you know they're still calling her by both names. The show is some of the characters right. are. Um, it's I just wonder if that's a transition or if it's something to keep an eye on for the future. Not completely sure, and again, in the one interview um, we watched with them, you know, Chloe Bennett brought it up again, you know, um, when when Clark said Sky and had to r- remind him, it's it's Daisy, sir. Um, I think they're having a little bit of fun with it, and and even here, you know, before the conversation quickly gets serious, she says, you can call me whatever you want. She's more concerned with Simmons well-being but Simmons clearly has some some darker stuff on her mind she talks about how the terrigen is spreading and um, you know setting us back setting us up rather to go back to uh, John's apartment part of what I really like about the character of John who you know he's not getting a ton of screen time it's it's you know certainly a recognizable character actor but you know, not a major character, not somebody who is, you know, apparently going to be in more than this episode. But they even take the time to craft him with some interesting stylings in terms of when he first picks up Lincoln, you don't know, is this dad, is this brother, is this, you know, is the, who is this guy exactly? They even take a while to name him. Um, I think that serves the story really well to make us feel uncomfortable, despite the fact that he's just a big teddy bear of a guy. And, hey, sure thing, there's towels in the bathroom, and I'll, we'll get you some food, and I'll help you out however you need help. 
um, we're nervous the whole time because who is this guy? What's his connection is not made clear uh, initially. And then in this scene, uh, it turns out our, our feelings of nervousness pay off. Right. Before you know it, he's got a bat in his hand. He's admitting he's called the hotline. And um, <clears throat> in this time of uh, Major League Baseball postseason, uh, Lincoln forces him into a bat flip. And then his heart goes. He's down in the ground here. And uh, Lincoln, as I leaned over to you before it happened, uh, here come the paddles, Matt. <laughs> but he can't stimulate the heart back to any kind of rhythm. The ATCU pulls up. And um, as the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters gets word of this, Simmons is again jumpy with uh, Daisy's phone going off. It's Lincoln. He needs help. John is down. I just killed a guy, he tells her. Um, but the ATCU doesn't find him with a little bit of help. This, uh, of course, continues a, a shield tradition of lots of you know, intercut and things going on. And we don't always see how people are communicating. Um, there, there certainly are moments, uh, if not in, at this part of the story, then very soon where it's like, all of a sudden, Coulson has a complete update as to what's going on from both sides because right. story. Yes. And he reveals he's headed to the beach. Bobby is uh, rehabbing with Fitz there. And uh, speaking of rehab, she says to him that, uh, you know, it's the antithesis of exciting, but that Fitz helped to center her when she was rehabbing with talk of pigeons. But uh, he talks about how Simmons had loved this lab, that it was built to her exact specifications and uh, unsettling to him that she does not feel at home in such surroundings. And, you know, again, there's there's the potential in this story for Simmons to almost be a bit lost because she's the wounded dove and and so on and so forth. But the show really does just a nice job, primarily through the the acting of uh, the lovely Elizabeth Henstridge, but also just, you know, some of those kind of um, quirky shots, you know, the quick close-up and the exaggerated sound effect of the spinny lab thing and then, you know, cut to another character who looks at it and you just hear it going, whoa, 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 as opposed to the great, the, the, the scraping, grinding sound and all that. Um it really serves to keep Simmons and her infirmity kind of front and center in your mind in an episode where she's not doing a whole lot other than kind of being infirm. Colson meets Price at the beach here. She pulls up in her car. Um, she, of course, wants uh, him to keep his eyes up on her, not at the car. He's the classic car, Pete. Yeah, he's, he's sorry there asks, you know, does she, does the car have a name? And she is all business. It's just a car and it's a he. If it wasn't clear already, uh, Miss Price is kind of the, the not quite the anti-Colson, but certainly meant and written to be his equal in many ways, um, which is part of why the, the events that, uh, that happened in this episode are interesting because frankly it's 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 easier writing to come up with the black hatted villain maybe somebody who you know 
killed his family and clearly only uh, only a loon would think is still redeemable. These are the villains we understand are villains, but somebody like like Price is so similar to Coulson. Um, obviously, fantastic casting with with Constance Zimmer and uh, and. I don't know. This scene—it's just two two acting pros who have been in uh, who have been in La La Land for a while, just doing what they do. Back at the Fight Club, uh, Hunter has entered the fray here as uh, two guys whoa, whoa, beat Pete, each Pete, other. Pete, we don't we don't talk about the Fight Club. Yeah, well, I do. And uh, as these two guys beat each other to a pulp, um, it's revealed that. Uh, Hunter's opponent is going to be his bud, Spud. And Pete, of course, since they're going to do the fighting clubs, they're going to fight with their shirts off like men. And of course, Pete, we conclude things with a punch to the face, the face being the point of view camera. So cut to black. As act four begins here, Hunter is in the midst of the fight and a thug, Matt, may be in love. Yeah, this look. This is a scene where clearly what's going to happen. It's not being telegraphed to the audience. They're standing there with big giant flags saying, "Get ready for this guy to make gender and perhaps race assumptions, and then get his butt handed to him." But it still is really, really fun just to see him. I mean, first flirting, and then it's like, "Okay, Creepyville, you're you're now officially starting to cross a line." Um, and May's just getting ready. And when they kind of take her off to that side room, off comes the leather jacket. And they're reading it one way. And the rest of us are saying, these poor, poor guys. It's only <laughs> three to one. They don't stand a chance. Well, she had repeatedly told him she was not thirsty. But he's thirsty. And uh, once it goes down, Wait, is Matt, that a metaphor? It is. Oh, Okay. Once it goes down, uh, she promises to do him a favor and not tell anyone that a tiny little Asian woman kicked his ass. You know what, Pete? It's so great that, uh, among other things, they bring to New York Comic Con the episodes where May has just a spectacular fight. Yeah, she really seems to get physical in the in the two out of the three episodes that we've screened there, the last being... Uh, last year's excellent uh, society undercover uh, dance number where she wound up pounding her doppelganger's face in Agent 33 on a uh, coffee table. But uh, no coffee table around. Hunter instead, uh, getting his lunch handed to him, goes for the brass knuckles. And three times he pops Spud in his face he yells for them to call it, but uh, generic fight club <laughs> referee guy says, what's the point? He's not breathing. And the very human toll here for Hunter registers. And Pete, you speak of the human toll. I was shocked at how bloody his face was. Um, not inappropriately, not inappropriately for the nine o'clock hour. But he's good and bloody, like to a point where I, I wonder if it's one of those things where it's like the network isn't happy, but the episode's going out in a week and we can't go reshoot. Um, but he was, he, if nothing else, you know why he went for the brass knucks. 
uh, it's uh, because he was losing rather badly. And again, I think it drives home that point here. You know, it's shades of gray that make these characters interesting. If it's, no, I will not fight you. I will bring you back from the dark side and you will take me to your Hydra boss. You know, that's not going to work here given the, the tone and the reality that we're working within. Indeed. And with that, with the, with, with the prospect of somebody, you know, dying, um, it's time to move the story elsewhere. Back with Price on the beach here. She explains that her agency exists because Coulson's blew it. But he wants her to offer him the opportunity for his team to bring Lincoln in. Yeah, this is where we start to get some of those really fast cuts and intercutting and cutting but not hearing the whole thing. You know, as you said, the uh, ACT is going to get Lincoln, so we're going to cut to Mac and Sky, and then it's going to be it's going to be Price and Phil, and it's going to be da da da, and it's just um, I mean, the story pace is increasing. We're supposed to be not not clicking away and watching something else. And when uh, you know they're not agreeing to that, or particularly Price, who's in the position of power, won't agree to that. Um, it's Mac and Daisy who are finding Lincoln here who's still lamenting that he has killed when really he didn't um, his, his sponsor, John, but uh, you know, he had saved his life more than once at his, his lowest points. Price tells Colson. Meanwhile, that uh, she will not harvest Lincoln's parts, but the press and the president want results. And again, you know, a, a nice kind of, um, I don't know, perhaps nod, not even nod to the real world, but just a nod to, hey, she's got a boss and her boss has a boss and she's used to getting video calls from the president of the United States. So she's got to do something. Otherwise, you know, this this agency won't be self-sufficient. So they have to get the appearance of of results in lieu of real results. And she knows about Coulson's ace up his sleeve here. She has seen the surveillance from the hospital. She has a picture of Daisy. And, uh, you know, the idea of keeping this quiet and Coulson is quickly grappling with the idea, do I give up the inhuman I don't know or the one that I have pretty much become an older brother or father figure to? Um, but this, uh, this man that Lincoln killed... Again, he laments as his only friend. But Daisy explains it was Lincoln who gave her hope at her lowest moments. He tells her that she's wasting time caring about him. But Matt, she can't help it. They start to kiss up in a tree. (laughs) K-I-S-S-I-N-G. I did not see that coming. And... Am I just not remembering there being kind of sparks, no pun intended, between the two of them at at Afterlife last season? Because to me, it was just kind of like, hey, I'm a good looking gal and you're a good looking guy, but we're just friends and now we're going to. There there were indeed sparks. And now that uh, they're kissing Matt, not chewing on one another (laughs) different show. That's Chloe's real life boyfriend. Um, You know. The idea, he doesn't want to agree to work with S.H.I.E.L.D. He's, you know, seen 
a lot of the results of that organization. And it's Mac who's at the door there uh, asking should they send what we've previously called the Walkivator that's now been named the Escape Module. I like Walkivator better. <laughs> it's a fun progression of scenes here where um, where uh, Roz, you know, Roz wants Coulson to pay a price uh, to keep Daisy's, you know, existence secret. What is the price? Well, we don't get that answered because we cut to Lincoln and Daisy and then they, then they smooch and then Mac comes in and... You know, all of a sudden, it's the a, the um, ATCU behind him, um, and you have this feeling of, oh no, Mac has been compromised somehow. Um, then further, no, he has not been compromised. He's following orders, and what is the order for Pete? Well, the order here is that they've made the swap here. They're going to turn Lincoln over, which, you know, Colson really kind of uh, outside of the box for him. However, given the choice between Lincoln and Daisy, as we said before, of course he's going to choose the, uh, the lesser. Pete, it might be outside of the box, but this is the biggest twist involving Lincoln since Ford's theater. The arrangement for Act 5 here is that they will take Lincoln, however, that quickly gets double-crossed, and Banks tells his ATCU men that they will instead take her, take Daisy. Yeah, and that we have, you know, Mac drawing a gun and the other people drawing a gun, and and it's it's a uh, it's 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 some kind of standoff, Pete. I don't know. We're gonna, we got some people out there in the political world saying things. I don't know if we can call this kind of standoff the kind of standoff we used to kind of call it, but we got a standoff here. It's an inhuman standoff, Matt, okay? Um, but Colson has an offer for something better here. And over the comms, the number two banks tells Daisy and Lincoln, um, it's your lucky day. We de-escalate the tension there by... Uh, getting to catch up with Fitz and Simmons and a long awaited Matt first date. It, it, it was charming to see, um, the notion that Fitz, um, has held the reservation for months. I did wonder, um, and maybe it was just me momentarily stepping outside of the story unfairly, but I did wonder, did he hold the reservation for an entirely empty restaurant for months? I doubt that. Um, and then I was in my head wondering, how do you continue to hold a reservation or move it each? I don't know. That's not how open table works. But anyhow, it, the sentiment is wonderful. I like that it's this low key setting here. And I mean, so, so well earned that finally these two get to get to have dinner together. But of course, it's not the, the, the Fitz and the Simmons that we've known from the past. And you had to know that their first date while he takes her out, uh, to somewhere nice and he wanted to do that it would not go as planned um the restaurant has offered a gift here uh for mr fitz in light of him holding this reservation for so long and i don't think matt it was the entire restaurant i just think he had you know table for two in there for a while the mater d uh reveals this but then we get a rather teary-eyed simmons as the wine is poured 
I was kind of caught up in, all right, here's this woman very clearly suffering from post-traumatic stress. Sounds freak her out, which she's not completely let onto just yet. But then the idea of serving her alcohol, it just felt, and this is not at the fault of uh, the character, but that maybe we were rushing things. I will agree with everything that you're saying with, with exception of one part, it is at the fault of the character, you know, who I'm chastising as the character. I'm not chastising the writers here. You would think that they would be picking up on this a bit more. Now, of course, if characters picked up on everything, then there'd be no drama because it would all be boring. But, um, I do kind of blame Fitz for not kind of being a bit more on the up and up here. And I think it is a worthy notion to, to at least discuss to say, you know, was he kind of pushing the envelope a little bit, a, a little bit too much? Um, that said, the fact that the fact that Simmons is most certainly hiding this comes into play, and the fact that it's an action adventure show, and we're not going to spend a ton of time fully fleshing this out, you know, is a, is a factor too. But I think in terms of the writing, it really, really works where. He's just kind of not seeing this because they're just saying, oh, yeah, she's settling back to, you know, the oxygen, nitrogen mixture of the air and really must have been kind of awful or whatever. But, you know, welcome home, Um, which I mean, my goodness, you want to talk about any kind of real world commentary. Hey, let's leave your PTSD at the door. Life's normal here. Have fun. What's your problem? Um, and we're kind of certainly seeing that unfold in what would otherwise be a kind of wacky, you know, show of, you know, spies racing around. And the tenderness is certainly apparent as she decompensates and Fitz joins her on the other side of the table there to to nurse her through that. Back at the playground, Colson explains to Daisy that uh, what made the ATCU back off was that he offered them something he offered himself that he's fought Talbot he's fought another shield and uh he thinks that this alliance with Rosalind who Daisy points out oh we're on a first name basis already will go differently spoiler alert it won't (laughs) well I like certainly that that for the time being they're acknowledging They've done shield versus, you know, bad shield. They've done shield versus military shield that they're kind of, they're going to do something different this time. And I doubt anybody has the expectation of, and they're going to work together and it'll be wonderful the whole time. But just kind of the notion of this season of on agents of shield, the new anti-shield threat is revealed. And then they kind of spar and then it kind of goes away for a little bit. And then they fight some more, you know. I like that they're saying, hey, we're, we're doing something different here, and it still is going to be a source of tension and drama and all that, but, you know, I, I think it's the show kind of saying to the audience, this season is not S.H.I.E.L.D. versus ACTU, this season is about something else, and we are two and a half episodes into it at this point, or, or close to, to, to the conclusion of this episode, and we haven't quite let you in on the complete picture yet. We head back to Hunter who is let into a room there with wards number two, the, uh, the bald thug we've seen before. And he explains that the boss wants people to prove themselves. Hey, maybe you'll meet him someday as we see the menacing new 
Hydra logo on the wall to end the fifth act. The tag scene shows uh, several cuts of uh, Bobby working out, brace on her right knee. And she's pretty surprised when she sees Simmons is in the lab trying to understand these rocks. But uh, she tells Bobby they have different properties. And uh, Bobby's like, well, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. They're, they're, they're gone. It doesn't, you can't open this again. To which she respo- responds, the portal has to open. I have to go back. Wonderful, fantastic way to end the episode and uh, certainly worthy of more discussion in future segments. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Let's begin with the ATCU and number two banks giving chase. Well, Pete, I suspect that this banks, perhaps his name is Michael Banks. I suspect that his father... Uh, perhaps always focused on his job. Ironically, at a bank, though his father kept a uh, a pretty steady schedule, um, he he didn't know to to care for his kids, and instead hired out uh, a nanny who took them on wild adventures. He Michael and his sister Jane, and um, all of this informs the character uh, that we that we see today, and uh, is perhaps perhaps an opportunity to expand the Marvel Cinematic Universe into further Disney properties. Your thoughts, I Pete? I really have no response for that other than, you know, your pilfering of one of my both childhood and, and current favorites in the Mary Poppins. The ATCU, as far as, you know, the rest of the organization has been pretty vanilla to this point. This guy is a as a number two threat. Okay, he 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 barks the the commands he needs to. Um, it is what it essentially has to be at this point. I am anxious to see a little bit more uh, of this organization beyond the rather black and white presentation of it. Because um, if the president has authorized and created this group, clearly there's some merit to it. And we know that we're in the early stages of what will lead into our civil war. So where this agency that is tracking and, uh, you know, authorized to take out in humans, people who are otherwise, you know, activating because of fish pill supplements or whatever way the show is going to devise that they're coming across the Terrigen, you know, uh, cross Atlantic swims and, and such, you know, let's let's see a little bit more nuance it is an interesting notion that of you know how will agents of shield continue to interact with the films um i went back and listened to our jessica jones preview podcast which you know we spent a segment talking about this very question civil war and the other movies and the other tv shows um then you sit down to watch an episode of Jessica Jones and say, I don't care what's going on outside this neighborhood in New York city. Uh, similarly here, you know, you're never going to get, you're never going to get as, as Brett Dalton said, you know, watch agents of shield, then go see the winter soldier, then watch agents of shield. You're never going to get that kind of paradigm shift again. And the show rather clearly, um, for certainly for for much of last season and particularly connected to Ultron and Ant-Man 
just kind of consciously said, we're not going to bounce off that event. We're just going to kind of acknowledge it and, and move on. Um, I think it's possible. I mean, I, I think it's possible that, that we don't see a ton out of the, the ACTU um, or rather the ATCU just not, not knowing what's the game plan between now and December. And do, do you push a reset button and then start a second half similarly to how they did last season where we get some more nuance and understandably so is in the character of Rosalind price. She really is a ton of fun. There's just a steeliness to her. Um, I like that. She kind of um, does so well in what, what one would traditionally think of as the boys club of kind of, you know, the boardroom DC defense contractor, that kind of, you know, that kind of world. Um, and she also, she's there to do a job and she's there to, as I said earlier, to answer to the people that she works for. So if there's a deal to be made, you make the deal. Nobody's, nobody's in the, certainly in the business of government to win in absolutes. And, uh, and she knows that as a government person. So it's kind of like, what can we do to make things safer? Because we're never going to get safest. Constance Zimmer really brings a, a, a nice different presentation to this show in terms of um you know we've we've seen edward james almost with real shield we've seen the various hydra baddies to to get an adversary to this point that can be this counter to colson right down to the to the differences with the car it, it's nice and as black and white as shield and the ATCU is at this point, there's this sparring and Matt, I would even say perhaps a little bit of attraction on both sides. You know what, Pete, I'm reminded of the words of uh, Ronald D. Moore speaking about uh, the almost character and uh, the, um, the, the, the president character on Battlestar, which is to say, you know, they're both they're both two, two, two good looking people. They're both of a similar age. You know, they're, they both understand each other's lifestyles in terms of work and dedication and all that. How there isn't at least a little spark. And I, I'm not suggesting that the show is necessarily going to go there. But to, to me, it's just logical. Hey, it's somebody who understands what the, you know, what the 18 hour workday is like and the constant dedication towards this really important thing. Um, so I guess you never know. Lastly and sadly, Matt, Hunter's old pal Spud. It is sad, Pete, but I, I guess, you know, Spud was rotten. And uh, when, when your time is up, you know, and uh, it's just time for you to be uh, to be uh, thrown out. That's what happens. I mean, I, I think joking aside, show wise, do we now say, Oh, Hunter shall wring his hands and say, out, out, damned spots, there is blood on my hand. Hunter has killed plenty of people before in, in action. Um, and the fact that a Hydra-connected guy who, P.S., also is selling next-gen weapons to people, to third-party buyers, the fact that he's dead, I don't think Hunter or the show is going to spend more than maybe two more minutes on it for the rest of the series you know, and, and that'll be that. 
Well, you know, hopefully this spud didn't have eyes growing on them because when you cut off one, two more take their place. Wow. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, much made at the um, beginning of the first act here about Simmons' time on the alien planet. And a particular line jumps out that there was flora, no fauna. Yet, the end of the episode, it's revealed she wants to go back. We also know that she was chased. So, the truthfulness that Simmons has... uh, had with our shield pals here, I'm not quite buying it. Totally agree. This last this last uh, line here, you know, I have to go back. Um, it, it confirms what the show had been slowly building with quiet nuance and and misdirection right in front of us, which is as you said, Pete Simmons is not telling everybody everything, and and there's just these. You know, amidst, you know, gunfights and uh, an Asian, little Asian girl kick your butt. And amidst all of that, there she is slowly where, you know, slowly I'm um, just adjusting to the gravity. And, and the, the characters seem kind of not to react. But we go, oh, and it's, you know, oh, well, you know, there was all these different planetary conditions. Her whole system is out of whack. And then now we have her desire to go back. And now we have her not not sharing all the information uh, I will say this: I'm at a complete loss as to as to where this could possibly be headed. But the the, the show plants a flag to say we're headed somewhere, and it's multi episode. And all those complaints that I had last week of, boy, she was gone for a whole episode, and then she came back in the next one. They're doing something with this. Well, Jeff Loeb was the one who brought it up in the, the one interview at New York Comic Con. You know, what is Simmons? And there were pro- there were several hundred people watching that, and he said, "What is Simmons?" And there was just this pause where everybody, where just no one responded, and then people are like, "Ooh, there!" It was the notion of taking and and transmogrifying Simmons into something else is 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 troubling and heartbreaking. It is. You know what's heartbreaking too, Matt? We know that Andrew was the one who left Melinda May, but why did he leave Agent May? Is it as simple as her inability to get bats, the the PTSD? And really, if anybody would understand that, wouldn't it be Andrew Garner, this psychologist, so is there another reason that's yet to reveal itself? My take from what was presented in this episode, which is you know heavily bent on speculation, but my take is just simply this. Yes, he is this psychologist. Yes, he can help her, but he can't help her if she doesn't want to be helped. And he can't, he knows he can't have a functioning relationship with someone who is going to continue to psychologically hurt themselves by not getting the help they need. That's kind of how I read that scene. Um, That said, I think the door is open enough where if there is story time and interest, if you want to flash back and do the big, you know, the big reveal, well, then you have that door. If you just want to say, and Andrew is gone and he'll be back in six episodes to be like, hey, new laser head guy. He shoots lasers from his eyes. 
I've talked from to him. From his entire head. <laughs> indeed, from his entire head. He holds cars over his head and shoots lasers out of his eyes. Um, y- you know, if they're going to bring him back to do that, they'll bring him back to do that. I, I, my take at this point when this episode was written and shot, my take is they want to have a little door for maybe something. But my take is they don't know what that something is. Transmissions. Open the mailbag, Matt. Let's check the wire. And Pete, to the fantastic with a PH geeks comes an email from Bob, who's an actual PhD. And he says, guys, thanks for your latest episode. I must disagree with Matt. All right. Sorry. Delete. No, I'm just kidding. I must disagree with Matt on where I think they're going with this season, says Bob. My guess hope really is that simmons's journey is the kickstarter to a whole big plot device for the season she saw something on that planet that is going to be a game changer of some sort perhaps it has to do with the Cree, perhaps not but i don't think the writers merely had this plot idea that didn't work out so they bailed on it i'm going to hold out hope that simmons too quick return was the plan all along, and this is going to lead to one of the major plot drivers for the season. Only time will tell, of course, but I don't think they're going to just throw this away as Matt was suggesting. He says, parenthetically, Bob does, maybe it wasn't really a suggestion, maybe it was saying that this is what it appears to be. Bob continues to say, I agree that she came back too fast, unless her coming back kicks off something else. That's what I'm hoping for. That's from Bob. And Pete, uh, Bob is totally correct here uh, in my estimation. That certainly is what I was suggesting. I wasn't saying this is what it appears to be. I was complaining that they brought her back too soon. Um, and Bob, who when he sent this, of course, because we're reading this after watch- immediately after watching the episode, um, Bob has you know has not yet seen episode three, tonight's episode, as he writes this. So, Pete, can we say hashtag spoiler Bob? Well, I'm going to say this. He's completely correct, and as we know from the end of this episode, Simmons wants to go back. We're not done with that planet, Matt. And that certainly is uh, is to our benefit indeed, and a good bit O-story sleuthing there, Bob. Thanks again. We have a review, Matt, from iTunes, and just to uh, remind our listeners, one of the biggest ways you can help us and help others find us is by uh, leaving a review for us there. This one was left on October 10th by Tennis Trekkie. It is a five-star review headlined, subscribe to this podcast now, exclamation point. And it reads, consistently entertaining and informative with just the right balance of critical analysis, thoughtful conjecture, intelligent humor, and Marvel expertise. My Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. viewing just doesn't feel complete until I've listened to these guys after every episode. You should too. You won't be sorry. Uh, thank you so much, Tennis Trekkie. That uh, it means a lot. It's a special place we know that we can, you know, we can inhabit in your in your week, dear listeners. When you know the Agents of Shield experience isn't uh, isn't quite over until you've heard our conversation. You've kind of you know you've you've joined the conversation yourself. So uh, thanks, Tennis Trekkie. Certainly means a lot, Pete. You know what else means a lot? Oh no. 
I'm not talking about Twitter. I'm talking about our fall time contest that people may want to be checking out. Yes. Uh, For this fall block of episodes, we are logging every uh, share and, um, you know, time you tag someone who is not already a follower or a Facebook liker. Each time you do that and we are notified of that, you will be entered into the raffle for something you may want to win. So keep that going. And uh, Pete, I imagine we'll be pulling that name probably when the when the fall finale occurs. Our bet sometime first half of December is probably when that happens. Um, so certainly plenty of time, but uh, but get on it today. But Pete, today and every day, you know, one of the great thrills of the entire internet is that's tweeting with you on the Twitter machine. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 6,482 followers. Can't be wrong. Holy moly. While I am personally on Twitter, as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole host of ways. We are Fantastic Geek, that is with the PH, and you can find us under the name Fantastic Geek on the .com, the Gmail, and the Twitter. But wait, Pete, there's more. There's always more, Matt, on Facebook. And like Jello, you always have room for it. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the PH, all one word. Like us today and you won't get enough of us. So, Pete, what you're saying is that people should be saying, I have to go book. What? Because it's like, go, go back, go, go book, go Facebook. Well, I oh. think with that, Pete, I'm going to say arrivederci to all our listeners as this week of geek continues. Hope that uh, for those of you listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, you've been enjoying uh, some of the various goodies we've been dropping connected to New York Comic Con and the other shows that we uh, that we podcast. If you uh, if you only listen to us on the Agents of Shield feed, that's okay. But if you uh, if you uh, want to check out the Pop Culture Podcast feed, search iTunes for Fantastic Geek or uh, go to fantasticgeek.com. You can see uh, links there to a whole host of things, including our podcasts for, oh, let's see, Pete, Agent Carter, Daredevil, uh, Jessica Jones. We did a Star Wars Rebels thing over the summer and more coming soon. Yes, and having gotten uh, fresh details for each of those properties, particularly having seen the first of 13 coming uh, Jessica Jones episodes on Netflix. You're going to want to subscribe and be part of this larger, expansive, and ever-growing cinematic universe. In DD do And with that, Pete, I will now truly say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I have to go back.